0: Hey, Sprocket Podcast listeners, this is Aaron, and yes, we got another repost and rebroadcast. Um, Some of you probably already know that our iTunes feed dropped many of our earlier episodes, so we're taking this opportunity to sort of refresh and uh, repost some of the older ones that iTunes doesn't carry anymore. Um, This was one we recorded with Nathan Jones. Uh, Some of you may already know this man as the legend that he is but uh for those of you who don't you're in for a treat uh this is a great episode <laughs> i don't know how else to say it um uh, i will uh, get back to you with some new episodes we got some pretty good ones on the horizon Corey pool is gonna be on pretty soon and we got some scooter talk uh happening with him also, we have uh, some special episodes about biking while pregnant, and the good people from Pedal PT will be on also to talk about what they do and why physical therapy is so important as it pertains to biking. Um, so, without further ado, here is Nathan Jones, and once again, I will see you on the other side.
1: Hello and welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we simplify the good life. My name is Brock Dittus. And I am Aaron Flores, broadcasting
0: live from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia.
1: We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way.
0: Covering bicycles, trains and transit, and simpler living, and today, racing across
1: the U.S. But not that race across America. But not the race
0: across America. Thank
2: you.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nathan Jones, who we just spoke with, it was kind enough to hang out with us again. So, hello, Nathan. Howdy. <laughs> Aaron, last night... You last night-,
0: night was messed up... <laughs>
1: You and I tried to join a bike ride. What was it called? The music box ride? The music box bike ride or, yeah. or something like that. And apparently, this was the ride that started more promptly than any ride ever. <laughs>
0: the most prompt ride I've ever been to. Because to the, to the point of 15 minutes late usually means you're on time. Right. Here in Portland. Yeah. Maybe these people are not from Portland. No one gave them the memo.
1: That could be. Yeah. But we ended up uh, not finding the ride, so we didn't go on it. Nope. But we said, hey, they're going down to the Willamette River. Why don't we go and hang out down there? So we found an awesome spot to sit and eat candy and look at the water. and um, Had some Mike and Ikes. Right, yeah. right. Well, the box kept blowing over. With a strong wind. <laughs> we fed the fish some Mike and Ikes. You were saying the fish were going to be diabetic. Yep. But they may be. Yeah. <laughs> and Amongst the other problems that they have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, So we're hanging out down there at this awesome spot. And suddenly, across the river, holy shit! Explosions and fire, like huge explosions.
0: Like you could see the flames coming
1: from across the river. And it was like one big one. We're like, that's way bigger than a gunshot. It's way bigger than like a firework.
0: No, like yeah, that's that's gunpowder. What the hell? Yeah, that's something huge. Right? Tear gas or
1: something? Well, maybe.
0: There (laughs) was a lot of smoke. Yeah, we thought it was terrorism. Really? Honestly. This is what yes, this is what you know, we're at a
1: post nine eleven
0: world now. I guess, of, yeah. I wasn't thinking like, oh, somebody's like having fun or doing some pranks. But know? it was
1: like down by that that fountain down there by the Hawthorne Bridge was, and I'm like, Yeah, it was near the salmon why yeah home. but why would someone be blowing up the fountain this is weird <laughs> why would <laughs> not they bring exactly a strategic uh, target is why, it? why would they bring their homemade explosives just uh, just to that area right. are they blowing up the place that rents little Surrey uh, four-wheel bikes <laughs> take
0: that you four-wheel I'm not bike. saying I'm,
1: be, I'm not saying I'm well, for that I'm not saying that's a good idea it's but funny
0: we're laughing at this now we're we're like finding <laughs> some absurdities about it now yes. but in in the in the time like as it's happening we're like holy shit what the fuck is yeah. happening? yeah <laughs> Yeah, because all, all of my brain is processing is like flames, explosions, smoke across the river. Yeah. And, you know, it, like it happened a couple of times and we're like, what the hell? And, and then like, it just
1: your, kept happening. Your immediate response is, we have to get closer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Maybe there's there's that sort of like rescuer mentality I have, I yeah, guess. That's yeah. like, you know, I don't know. I got to sew somebody's arm back on.
1: Or right, right. <laughs> What you're adept at, right? This is a skill you possess. <laughs> it's
0: a skill I have. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. And so, <laughs> it's just like patching a quilt. Yeah. So we're booking it down towards the Hawthorne Bridge, trying to figure out what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden there are pyrotechnics in the sky, and uh, there are fireworks and colorful explosions. And <clears throat> right. It right. dawns on us as we're riding that. Oh, oh this hey, is supposed to happen. This
0: is a celebration of sorts.
1: So we stand and watch the fireworks for like five to <laughs> ten minutes, and you know it's a beautiful, beautiful. It's explosion. pretty sweet. I have yeah. some pictures
0: of it. Oh, oh, right. We
1: can post. We'll put those up. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is when we, when we, when the whole show was over, we asked the folks in front of us, like, you know, what, what was happening here? And it was the end of the symphony season. So it was the And closing. apparently
0: it's a tradition every year at the end of uh symphony season, they play over at the waterfront yeah. across the river there. Uh-huh. Um, and they play the
1: 1812 overture, the 1812, which overture. involves cannons,
0: cannons at the finale.
1: So now we know what happened. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, anyway, so that, that was fun. And uh, if you come to Portland and things blow up at the waterfront, look for the orchestra before you panic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, uh, Nathan, we just had a fantastic interview with you. Are you ready to time travel back and uh, listen to that interview now? Yes, let's do it. All right. Like exporting a show okay. or something like that and like trying to make it work and it's one of those dreams where it's not a bad dream but it's just kind of like a mm-hmm. frustrating dream yeah. like why you know, why is it not working or whatever so where's is dreaming about databases <laughs> about just, compiling yeah it's <laughs> just the worst <laughs> so bad <laughs> have
2: you had these dreams uh, yeah, I yeah when I was working for a produce warehouse I was doing their uh, warehouse management system and installing it and backing it up and just all sorts of craziness yeah <laughs>
1: that's awesome yeah Aaron, have you ever had any bad uh, dreams about computers?
0: Uh, not about computers. I've, I've certainly had my work dreams. <laughs> Maybe if I work tomorrow with computers.
1: Yeah. Did I ever tell you about my, my equivalent of the no pants dream? No. Uh, for school bus driving?
0: You should be recording this. I am. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> my equivalent of the no pants dream is that I show up to pick up the kids on my school bus route, and then I look back, and it's just me and my bike, and I have like no place to put them. And I'm like, shit, I forgot to get the bus. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a scenario in any sense like that would never happen right but somehow i've had this dream multiple times where i'm like all right time to take the kids to school wait all i have is a cargo bike i'm gonna get in trouble by the <laughs> oh, <for real>. state. So. <laughs> yeah oh uh, nathan jones welcome back to the good podcast mo- good morning mm-hmm. uh Thank so uh, nathan jones owner and proprietor of ride your bike are those smoke cards? They are. Oh, those are nice. Those look
0: really good. Are yeah.
1: they, oh, is can we Wait, have some? Are, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, they're all yours. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Psh, yeah. Share. All right. So the um, the winner I like
0: of, the uh, sort of like hand splotch kind of thing. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's uh. I it's, think that. It's something. <laughs> <laughs> um, the winner of the close pass retort, like uh, what happens when you uh, when when a car passes you too closely on the road? Yes. What do you say back to them? Winner gets a spoke card from Ride Your Bike. There you go. Yeah. There <laughs> we there go. You go.
0: <laughs> Amongst other things. I exactly. might even bake you something Ooh! if you win.
1: Baked goods yep. with cardamom from Aaron. Yes. I put the cardamom in there just because I gorgeous. assumed that you would. <laughs> because
0: that's, that's what I use in all of my baked goods.
1: That's your style. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Nathan, uh, we, we have had you back because... I think last time you were on the show, you and Dan came in and talked about your trip on the salmonberry corridor. That's correct. On fat bikes. And then you were ramping up to this new um this new thing that you put together. Right, the Transam bike race. Yes. Uh, Forty three hundred mile uh,
2: jaunt across the US. Yeah, um it was it was a big crazy ordeal. We um we started up in Astoria and some of us, I think the leader finished in like 17 and a half days, and then um, most people finish between 20 and 35, and then we've got one guy who's still out there, who's 73. Oh, who's, really? Oh, wow. Who's uh, got probably a 100-pound bicycle that he's wow. <laughs> pushing all the way across the country.
1: <laughs> so just to fill in the context, this is... Uh, uh, this is a race that goes from border to what well, a border, I guess, but coast, like coast to coast. To coast. Right. Yeah. So the trans am bike route, which was originally called the bike centennial 1976. And now it's the, uh, the trans am trans American, uh, through adventure cycling, they have the route put together and you said, Hey, what if, uh, what if we just decided to see how quickly one person could do this?
2: Right. Yeah. People have been touring it for about 40 years now. Um, uh, 2016 will be the 40th anniversary of the route. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. There's so much history behind it, like, to go out there and to, um, you know, every little town that's pretty much already aware of the race when, it, when I hit it. You know, oh, I really? was, like, fift- I was around 15th or so when I was coming through, and, you know, the leaders had passed through, the camera crews passed through, and they're like, oh, you know, you, you organize it here, you want some free ice cream or whatever, and <laughs> Like I don't need ice cream. A vegan. Like <laughs> I, I
1: don't like, think I realized you were vegan. <clears throat> yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. Wait. We, we talked about that last time. I had forgotten. I'm sure least. we did. Yeah. I don't harp on it too much. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. But I do identify that way. Yes. <laughs> Should be noted. So ice cream is is right out right
2: now. It's it's no good. So. Yeah. But yeah, just the hospitality along the route was crazy. I mean, you know, I've raced the Tour Divide before, before which is you know another adventure cycling association route and it yeah. you know runs along the continental Divide, and just pretty much goes through the middle of nowhere whereas this is it goes through the middle of nowhere but it kind of just pops right back into somewhere and you're on road <laughs> so it's like and you're doing 100 and i was doing 175 miles a day so okay it's like, i was curious you know you'd start the morning in the middle of nowhere and then you'd kind of like by the end of the day you'd ride into somewhere and then just I don't know. They, you never got too far off the beaten path, so you're just always seeing people out there, and they're just. It's just so great when they just approach you with such you know excited um, exuberance. You know they're they're just happy to see people coming through, spending money, sure. riding their bikes, just pushing their body to the limits. Like it's you know it it it's something on top of the touring that they've you know they've, they've seen the tourists for years, and then they come through as a race. It just it really. Uh, I think it just kind of blows people away that anybody would even want to do it, and then it's going through their town, you know. Right. Yes,
1: yeah. right. So it kind of kicked it up a notch for for a lot of these towns then, you think.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's there's this one town that uh, a bike shop called uh, Newton Bike Shop in Newton, Kansas, um, and they've been they've been there I think for a year and a half now. And uh, the guy who uh, owns it, James Behringer, was a huge inspiration for me to open up my own shop. Like when I found about it about his shop he contacted me about the race and was just like i started looking into these videos of his shop or whatever and he's just you know he's been taking care of all the trans am cyclists that come through and he's got a hostel there and he's just seriously like the best shop on the trans am and i wasn't even aware of it you know it's you hear about all the shops on the divide and they get lots of press and like absolute bikes in salida and the outdoorsman in butte montana but The shop in Kansas is like the equivalent of those awesome bike shops on the divide, like Newton Bike Shop. I just can't go on and on about it. Yeah, yeah. What are some things that you appreciate about it? Well, it's – you know, he just – even the touring cyclists, he'll just basically give them the keys to the store. Now he's got a uh, number pad on the store, so anybody can go in any time of day. They come in at 2 in the morning on their bike, you know, touring (laughs) across the country. They can just – Enter the code, go into the shop, pop into the hostel, and he's yeah. got security cams everywhere streaming to his house, so he's kind of watching all of it. So, sure. it's so he's just
1: awake with a cup <laughs> of coffee, twenty four hours <laughs> yeah, just, just watching like, the small screens, right? Not like you, you know, you get what I'm saying, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool that the hostel thing i'm surprised no, it's cool yeah i'm surprised there are not more bike shops that do this i mean obviously most bike shops as you know as right. a proprietor of one they're on a very tight margin and you can't you can't do too much at once um uh, even if you want to but uh just the idea that if you've got people that are traveling by bike they're going to need a place to stay so you could offer that i guess uh, i would i would like to yeah there's yeah.
2: there's a. Uh it's Portland. I think is a big destination for cyclists coming off the Trans Am. You know, they all end up in Astoria, and then the closest big way out of it is here in Portland.
1: You got your airport. You got yeah. your train station. Right. Got your U-Haul rental. Right. Yeah. Um, so, what? How, how does a bike hostel work? Like, if it's attached to a bike shop, is there anything unique about it that would be different than another hostel?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically. I mean, at his shop, it's it's basically just a room with two bunk beds in it, so you know he could fit four people in there. And I think he's in the process of expanding it to up to eight. Yeah. So you know, it's it's nothing fancy, but I mean, you know, he's got a kitchen in the shop, he's got a bike wash station, like it all it all adds up. Once you, it's basically just a it's just beds in a bike shop. You yeah, know? that's all that's <laughs> all it really is, but. It's a uh, it's a it's an oasis in the grass desert mm-hmm, is is sure. what is what the uh, the catchphrase is for it because you ride all the way across Kansas and it's just brutal brutal winds brutal heat right
0: because it's so flat there's nothing brutal to stop flatness. the wind and, yeah
2: <laughs> and so then you get to Newton and it's just this oasis of you know the guy just takes care of everybody who comes through
1: there so well and it's, yeah well, that's awesome so yeah. Newton bikes
2: Newton bike shop
1: yeah uh, Newton bike shop yep. all right we have to look that up yeah. Uh, so uh, remind me again, how long did it take you to complete from Astoria to oh, what's the other the town on the other side? Yorktown, Virginia. Yorktown. Yep. Uh, it was 25 days, six hours and 42 minutes, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And this is an average wow. of 175 miles a day. Right. Which sounds fucking insane. <laughs> it was it's, yeah, it's ridiculous, yeah. but it's awesome. Uh, is this, have you done a lot of distance like that before or was this new for you?
2: Um, yeah, I've been working through distances like this over the years. I mean, this is the farthest I've ever done in one sitting. Okay. You know, the, the, the first divide race I did was 2,500 miles. Uh, that was border to border Canada to Mexico. And then that was the farthest ride I'd done. And that's on gravel. So, you know, 4,300 on road is, is kind (laughs) of an equivalent. Like, so it took, uh, Mike Hall actually, who won it, uh, 17 days and 16 hours uh, 17
0: days. Right. Wow. What and were we guessing uh, earlier I think at the coffee shop? We
2: I were I was in the saying, 20s. Yeah, like 25, still. 30, something like yeah. that. It, right. No, so Mike Hall, he did 17 days, 16 hours. Uh, he raced the Tour Divide the previous year, um, the other big you know, race route. And did it in fourteen days and I want to say fifteen hours, so a good three days faster. Of God. So you can yeah, kind of amazing. judge it. like he's yeah. and he's the one who's ridden around the world in like one hundred and twenty days, okay. and you know, so that's kind of the like bar you can measure the two races by. Like it sounds like the Trans Am's just a little bit harder than the Tour Divide, not, right? No, oh. not really. Yeah, oh.
1: <laughs> just a little bit, <laughs> not a whole lot, but well. I, in a way, I suppose it's the endurance. That's the uh, the, the main key. Maybe is that uh, the divide is over sooner, but you got to keep pushing with the with the Trans Am,
2: right? And there's the traffic. I think is another big deal too. Oh, like, zero I long mean,
0: highways. And-
2: yeah, a lot of the, a lot of folks coming into this are coming from a background of gravel grinding, go off the beaten path, get away from cars, and folk, people like Billy Rice are just like these car- riding with cars sucks. Like yeah. this isn't my gig. Like. <laughs> Yeah, and Billy Rice, was he a, a tour divider? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he actually has the uh, Yo-Yo record. He's written it from Banff to Antelope Wells, Mexico, and then back, back up to Banff. Wow. Like, yeah, like 45 days.
1: <laughs> That's intense. So just for context, if you're doing the, uh, the Trans Am route, generally it would be like a three-month tour for someone taking a, yeah, three, a standard or relaxed pace? Yeah, three, months is, is pretty much typical. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think if you really want to soak
2: it all up, take like five, but... Yeah, so most people just do a summertime, and
1: yeah, sure. What was your experience going through these places? Number one, had you done the uh,
2: Trans Am before? I had just ridden the Oregon stretch, okay, and then I grew up on it in Missouri, okay, yeah. So. and I drove. I've actually, I did a road trip back to visit my family in Texas, and I drove the first half of it to uh, Silverthorne.
1: Yeah, in Colorado. Okay, well, if you're doing A 175 mile day, how many hours are you on the bike then? it worked out to uh, actually on the
2: bike hours 14 14 a day so you know probably it's a like good day. yeah two 2 hours of downtime 2 3 hours of downtime in between all of that riding and then the rest is just kind of like sleeping and yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so what did you do to like keep yourself company on on those long rides was it just sort of like you shut your brain off you get like zen like or were there things you did to kind of occupy your brain or
2: yeah i mean i grew up as an only child so being it <laughs> being by yourself <laughs> is right. i was so it was you know it was really this race was weird because you know i organized it and i was in communication with just tons of people in the lead up to it and the the amount of communication just Went exponentially in the lead up to it, and then once I was on the road, it didn't stop. Like racers were still contacting me; still had to deal really? with trackers and stuff, you know. Like, um, you know, and then there's people worried about you know rules violations hitting me up here and there, and then, uh, and then you know I've got to you know I'm running a bike shop; I'm trying to represent myself, so I'm you know Instagramming my way across the country, just posting oh, right. you know, every little single thing. And, right you know, there's there's pretty good cell service. I'd ride, you know, I'd ride out of it in the morning and into it in the evening you just cover such vast distances that you could pretty much always get plugged in by the end of the day so there we go i finished it just more burnt out on community and there's so many people (laughs) on the route you know there's there's it's just it's just it bowls you over with all the hospitality right and you want to be thankful for it and you want to talk to these people and say man this is awesome what you're doing here but you you don't have time you're sprinting across the country (laughs) right 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 so it's once it was all over with,
1: it was, it was nice. <laughs> you were actually very busy then. Like It's interesting to think, because most people, I think, do bicycle touring to get away from things or to, to kind of get some space to breathe. But right. it sounds like you didn't have as much of that on this trip. No, not really. I
2: mean, there are times. That, I mean, granted, there's you know, days where it was just me and a bike. But you know, I rode with one guy, Danny Kakala, through um, most of Wyoming and most of Colorado. We rode together. And then... Um, we split up in Kansas, and then by Missouri, or um, or by can- middle of Kansas, Billy Rice caught up to me, and then we kind of like, he, he, catched, he caught me in Missouri, and then I chased him all the way to the end of Kentucky, and then I caught him, and then we just kind of <laughs> rose. So it was like, it, and me and him were just going back and forth on Facebook, like nonstop, just yeah. cracking stupid jokes, and <laughs> just whatever, to, just... just revel in the absurdity of the whole thing you know it's just it's a ridiculous what the the sort of crap you're going through out, out there like in 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 kentucky it just rained like every day we were there and um you know being from Oregon it's not a big deal riding in the rain like one day of rain is kind of like whatever you've done it sure. before yeah two days of rain is like oh it's, it's two days of rain and the third day of rain like kind of broke me a little bit like it's it <laughs> soaked my bike and like I've got a and it soaked your soul soaked my soul <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Billy doesn't ri- li- really ride in the rain in Texas okay because like, when it rains there it's just monsoon it's, on, yeah pouring you know, on yeah. Texas roads it's just you don't ride it, it makes sense so he's you know sick of the rain too and we kinda like we rode through that crap trying to race out of Kentucky and I don't know. East Kentucky if you've ever been there, it's it's I don't know, have either of you. Is ever it like been the there?
0: foothills of Appalachia at yeah, that point? Okay. Right.
1: Pretty jagged hills. That's that's where they begin in earnest, right? Yeah, it's it definitely gets hilly there. It's not bad, but it's
2: when it's like ninety degrees and like a hundred percent humidity. Oh yeah. And that like it stopped raining that last night they were that we were there but they uh there was so much humidity in the air, the trees were just dripping rain down on the roads. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, sometimes, even if it's not raining, it, or sometimes when it's not raining, it's almost worse. Like, the humidity in the air, like, you almost want it to rain just so that it would break all of
2: that up. Exactly. No, that's yeah. – that, there was a lot of times like that in Kentucky. It was yeah. just-
1: so is that where you pulled ahead of him when you were like uh, you think you had the advantage because you were more used to rain than he was? Yeah, I was kind of I I I knew he didn't really dig it and
2: we were he he was voicing his complaints on <laughs> on Facebook and it was just like all right, I can catch bike. Granted like stupid rain, me stupid and him elements. Were, I don't know. I was ra- I was trying to race him but he had gone through so much like his bike his bike uh broke and and uh Montana, so he got just barely into Montana, crossing over this big pass to get into Montana, just pretty much middle of nowhere. Yeah, and Lolo Pass is what it's called. Oh yeah. sure, and, uh, into yeah, Missoula, and, and, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, his his bottom bracket on his frame pretty much just comes unglued. No Ooh, shit. Like, yeah. From just the bracket itself, so it's like this Like from uh, like the, the, the frame, right? The, yeah. Oh the, damn yeah, the the, the, the <laughs> n- not the bottom bracket, but the actual frame part right yeah gone okay so he (laughs) it's kind of integral i was gonna say does that mean the pedals are dragging on the ground or something or it didn't totally fall apart it just start it came unglued, you know and it's like (laughs) yeah you could still ride it if you wanted to but you really wanted but anyway get out the jb weld jb weld yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) so so yeah i um i heard about that he was posting about that online i was a good hundred miles behind him at that Mm. point and I chased up to him. He was one of the only riders ahead of me at that. Um, by the next morning, and caught up to him. Saw him at the the uh, resort that he had. He had. St- he managed to break down just like a hundred hundred feet from a resort or something. Rolled down the hill, hops into it, stays there. He gets a new bike shipped to him. Or not new. He gets his mountain bike shipped to him. Okay. Yeah. So are you? Are you? Did you follow any of this? Not no, as closely. No. Yeah, no. So. So he gets a 29er mountain bike with like two point three inch wide tires, okay, on it. huge, and starts <laughs>
0: not necessarily for road. There <laughs>
2: starts pedaling it his tour divide bike basically, and starts pedaling mm-hmm. it across the country. And it's so, like a like a surly krampus sort of thing, right, or it, equivalent. It's a yeah, it was a Marin, but okay, yeah, it was
1: just it, just big wheels, 29er. wide tires. Yeah. It's like riding a beach ball. Right.
2: So <laughs> yeah, he rode that thing for like. 500 miles, 600 miles to Wyoming. And I, you know, I had caught him and he passed me back up on this mountain bike. Like, just got way ahead of me. A good 100 miles ahead. Really? Yeah. And so I'm just like, all right. I'm, you know, kind of trying to keep up because it's like I don't (laughs) don't want to get dropped by the guy on a mountain bike. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And you're just riding a standard road. I'm just riding my, like, yeah, kind of gravel bike or whatever. Okay. um, So, yeah, he he gets... to wyoming so a good you know thousand maybe 800 miles down the road yeah it's just the the distances are so so far it's all right to remember right how long how far it was exactly but uh gets his his new his his bike re- fixed up shipped back to him there and he pulls it out of the box. And something about the way that it was packaged, when he pulls it out of the box, he ripped the wires on the electronic shifting on it. Oh. So it just totally disabled Uh-oh. the shifting on his bike. <laughs> so it sounds like just bad luck after bad luck. Right. So... Sounds like he just needs to get rid of that bike. Right. <laughs> so... Ships it back. He ships it to a, a bike shop on the Divide, actually, uh-huh. off of the Trans Am, a totally separate route. Right. But the but the the two routes kind of overlap, you know, between Montana and Colorado. So so he gets uh, down to Hartsel, Colorado, and takes this fifty mile detour to Salida, where there's this bike shop that's Absolute Bikes, that's super popular on the Divide with Divide racers. Salida's a cute little town, right? No, it's beautiful. It's just an amazing place. And uh, gets his bike swapped out there and then um, starts riding back up. He gets on the road. He rides the road hops back on the route. So he's done like 100 plus extra miles onto the route now on top of shipping bikes, you know, all zigzagged across the country. Right. Right. And so he's like 100 miles behind me now because I've like pushed and pushed to get ahead of him. And then, sure enough, you know, he starts catching me by like Newton Bike Shop. Like I just kind of like I kind of waited for him, and it was also an oasis at Newton sure. Bike Shop, so it was just don't like, necessarily <sighs> want to get out of there in a hurry. So yeah, in no, the they, bush, had, a, they yeah. had they had a masseuse there. that would go get me whatever food I wanted. <laughs> oh, like it was just nice. it was just living <laughs> yeah. like a king at Newton Bike Shop, the lap so. of luxury. Yeah, right, right. So I was just hanging out there, and finally he catches up, and then we. And then we just kind of, you know, we tried to race to the East Coast, but he was fried from hammering on that mountain bike and then trying to catch back up with me in addition to the extra hundred miles. And we kind of we really raced each other, you know, to that East Kentucky. And then we just got just destroyed by everything that was East Kentucky. And then (laughs) once we once we crossed into Virginia the next day, like. He rolled up to me and I, he was just like, everything of mine is broke. Like, <laughs> the rain's destroyed every <laughs> everything. <I'm> everything. <soaked. laughs> oh, man. That, uh, that's rough. Right. And then from then, we just kind of we rode together that, that next day and then rode a little bit together the next morning. And then our styles were just so different. Like, I loved to just hammer and then just kind of dawdle and then hammer and mm. dawdle. And he's just like
0: a constant moving constant diesel pace okay like, uh, you know,
2: that's that's just totally his style he, <laughs> so we couldn't really ride together like all the way to the finish but i just kind of hopped ahead of him just kind of did my thing sprint for a bit sit down and relax sprint for a bit sit down and then and then yeah we and then in the end we ended up riding in together Oh, well, there we his, go his family was there and Where, was it, one
1: of you over the line before the other i came in yes just like <laughs> okay ahead. all right just, just like a just, yeah. a, just a, a hair ahead just a hair. <laughs> you're leaning into the uh, into the tape no we, I think we both wanted the other to go first and I was just like <laughs> nice oh nice fight
0: nice yeah. fight
1: for some reason I, I got the uh, the Talakadega Knights movie where the, the part they where do that like, like slingshot move thing well I think where they like uh, the cars burn and they like get out and run across oh, the finish line right I, the I'm imagining something like that <laughs> but I'm, it's probably not it <laughs> uh, well congratulations on finishing I, it's were, were they people that did not finish Yeah, yeah. There were
2: like forty-five of us that started, and there's only twenty-two or twenty-three that are going to
1: finish. Yeah, there's fellowship is broken, right? So, uh, is that just as far as like carrying things? Are are you uh, are you traveling lighter on this trip than you would have uh, for a slower paced trip? Yeah. So that was yeah. Packing
2: thing. The whole packing setup for the trip was actually really fun. Um, Yeah, if I recall,
0: last time you were on, you mentioned like. The idea of putting panniers, right. uh, sort of being not necessarily outdated, but uh, certainly outmoded. Exactly. Yeah. No.
2: I'm I'm a big advocate of the the bike packing strategy where you just put a frame bag on, a seat bag on, a little top two bags, and keep the bags on the sides of your bike like to a minimum. It just keeps you more aerodynamic and
1: sure. Um, and when you're going for uh, for time and speed, that that's important. Right. But, yeah, so I started with, you know,
2: a frame bag, the two top tube bags, the seat bag, and then the big old handlebar bag. And the handlebar bag was probably, like, the most – Kind of like integral piece of the kit for the start of the race. I I had four pounds of vegan jerky that I put in there. <laughs> there we go. Is that the, your
0: priorities, man?
2: Is that like the yeah. tofu strips with the um, like seitan? Yeah, oh yeah, that's it. It's this uh, company called Viana. They sell it at Food Fight. It's like okay. the only place in town you can find it. And it's, it's just I've eaten all the vegan jerky out there, and it's tough to find one that you can eat for ten weeks straight without <laughs> sure. getting sick of it. And <laughs> this stuff just barely passes that test. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> it just imagine anything you eat for two weeks exactly. straight. You're gonna get sick of. <laughs> so
2: you know, I got all of that. I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna get my protein on lockdown. So no matter what happens while I'm out there, you I at can least just, have a source. Yeah. I can just pig out on crap carbs all day and, <laughs> <laughs> and make sure I get oil and then protein. So anyway, my my nutrition was on lockdown because of that. I had this big old handlebar bag and uh, three canisters of fuel and a little mini pocket stove. Okay, so I brought a ton of fuel, and that was that was a big oversight. Like I should only brought like one canister of fuel,
1: but fuel is one of those things that you don't want to run out of it. Yeah. Especially when you need it. And so, yeah, I guess if, if you're going to overpack anything, fuel is probably, probably the best thing to overpack. Exactly.
2: So that worked. I didn't really kick myself too much over that, <laughs> but I kept like every 500 miles, like ditching a fuel can. Yeah. And mailing one home. Yeah. Like, even what was
0: your fuel? What did you use?
2: Um, gosh, I can't think of what actual type it is. It's, um just these little green canisters from Optimus Crut or from the co- the company's called Optimus, okay So okay. it's not
0: like white gas or propane or
2: I want to say it might be it's, it might be some protein, propane
1: it's like a mix of two two chemicals I can't or two fuels I can't really remember. Yeah, yeah. But, um, we had uh, on our tour this summer we had a jet boil which was the first time we'd ever had one of those and uh, it was so easy to use. They use but- like a,
0: a their own proprietary Fuel. Right? Well,
1: it's a, like a propane isobutane mix, right. if I'm not mistaken, from right. reading the label over and over yeah, again.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> like but I remember carrying like I think at one point maybe five of those empty canisters in the bottom of my panniers. Uh, what did you leave behind? Right. Like, what did you choose not to bring?
2: Um. Let's see. So I didn't bring. Any sort of ground tarp or cloth. Like, I pretty much just always laid. Dr- I, I had my baby sack, which I used mostly. Like, I'd sleep
1: in that or on that. Okay. But, but then, no tent. Just a baby sack. Right. Just a baby sack. So, no tent. Um, and a baby sack is kind of like, it's kind of like a small tent, right? Is there a support that keeps the fabric off your face?
2: Well, there's some of those. Those are like your your comfortable bivvies and then there's just the emergency <laughs> bibby, which is then there's a man's bivvy. <laughs> yeah, a man, a yeah there's just your emergency bivy which is basically just a, a garbage bag that's long enough to fit over you and okay. you're sleeping bag there you go it's water
1: waterproof and so it's somewhat breathable and right um, but that protects you from the elements it keeps you warm at night and uh, it does what it has to do right and you're not spending as much time sleeping as most people would be because you're doing about 14 hours a day right so yeah i'd get about
2: six hours and then towards the end four hours and (laughs) (laughs) the last two days i got two hours sleep
0: but then after that you had like 20 some hours and then
2: (laughs) after that you know my dad picked me up in uh, yorktown and uh we got a hotel and the next morning, like 5 a.m., he's like, let's go. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> really? Is, 5 a.m. <laughs> is he like, was he a farmer or anything? Or? <laughs> he just went, you know, we were going to drive back to Houston, Texas from oh, town right, Virginia right. in like two days. So he's, like, he's got go. a
0: schedule to keep. You got to beat the traffic. I'm yeah.
2: like, all right, let's go. So we drive down to like Florida and get a hotel there. And it's really sketchy hotel, like really sketchy. <laughs> no you know? free popcorn. Yeah, it was just not <laughs> no continental. It was right place. on I ten and it was it was pretty low quality, like and I've I've got I I I just slept in churches and ditches going across the country. Sure. Right. So, you know, so like,
0: that's I got, saying something I'm if not, you're sketched I'm out by not this hotel. Just hating on it. <laughs> right.
2: So like five AM the next day, he's so sketched out, he's like, Let's go I'm like come on <laughs> It's like that's two days so yeah, both not, finally got back to Texas and then I was at, you know, on Get back to Houston, Texas on the night of July the 4th. Uh-huh. Oh. You know. It's a good time to be in Texas, right? <laughs> it's a great time for sleeping in. True. So, yeah, I'm going to bed at 10
1: o'clock. You know they get to like 2
2: in the morning right, with right. the fireworks down
1: there. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, you didn't have very good luck getting sleep once you were done so, for the first couple of days. Yeah,
2: so it took me a good six, seven days to get back to Portland Yeah, and finally...
1: <clears throat> Portland. I kind of got back to twelve hours here, twelve
2: hours there. 12 there we hours go. Here,
1: <laughs> so, what else did you leave behind? Uh, was there anything else that, looked, right, so could be a glaring omission in some people's minds? Or,
2: um, yeah. So, I mean, I just, you know, I took the handlebar bag. I, I rode to uh, Colorado with that, and then I mailed it home, uh, just because it, I had ate through most of the vegan uh, sausage and uh, no more protein to carry. No more protein to carry, get rid of the fuel, just become more aerodynamic. There were crazy winds going into Colorado, so okay. it was just like anything I could do to get faster. And then, um, you ended up paring down as you went, then, right? Yeah, that's basically what happened. And then uh, I rode to um, Missouri, and Missouri, I ditched the whole sleeping kit, got rid of the sleeping bag, got rid of the bivy sack. There you go, uh, I got rid of the seat bag in Kentucky. And so then by the end of it, the last like five days, it was just like a day ride every day. I right. Had the frame pack filled with food and a little bit of mechanical supplies and navigation stuff. And so were you just sleeping uh, in your clothes at that point or how did oh, you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I slept in the same kit. The whole, okay. Whole yeah, way yeah. across. like I'd, I got really good at washing it. You know, you see a faucet and it's hot out. Just rip it off. Soap it up. Sure.
1: Wash it down. Like, but you got rid of the sleeping setup uh, towards the end. So yep. yeah, I just sleep in the kit and then there you um, go. No, no blanket, no, uh, uh, what have you.
2: Right. Yeah. That was, that was the, that was the tough thing. Uh, sleeping with like nothing on me is, uh, <laughs> I get like night terrors from oh. sleeping without anything on sure. top of me. Uh-huh. I'll just get like, I don't know, just stupid, stupid, bad dreams start sure. creeping into my head when I'm uncovered. So right. Database compiling right exactly well normally it's like somebody trying to break into my house Mm. or something yeah like Mm. a weird alien in the closet or something sure sure yeah
0: (laughs) this is yeah this is not unfamiliar to
2: me right no totally it's it's a real common sort of scenario that people have and um so trying to just sleep without any blanket like i had a sweatshirt and i learned that i could just kind of ball up like Cole, it my knees up to my chest, and Tuck yourself get into, uh, into the that fetal position, and then just yeah. cover myself with my shirt, and that wow. worked one night. And then another night, I used a doormat
1: at a church to cover uh-huh. myself up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess there's bedding. Welcome. <laughs> there's bedding to be found, right? If you uh, if you look around, you'll find things. Right. No, the doormat was just—I I couldn't help but laugh at myself <laughs> at that one. It was just like <laughs> it works.
2: Really, I slept so good that night a, on that a wood church board. doormat, like, no less. It's pretty funny.
1: Come as you are. Yep. Yeah, that—that's uh, intense. So yeah. also I was curious, you talked about using it, being in communication with people and Instagramming and, and uh doing all these things, the communication task on the road while you were going. Did you uh did you run out of electricity? Did you was keeping your phone charged a problem?
2: Uh I got a brand new phone that does this quick charge thing. Ooh. It's one of those, those uh S fives. And uh it charges full strength in like an hour and a half. Oh well, that's not so bad. So it's like
0: the uh lightning charger. Yeah. Think? Yeah.
2: So yeah. Yeah, I think there was only one time where my phone was actually dead dead, but and I used it as an MP three player and I actually brought that was my biggest that was the biggest thing problem that happened to me. So I brought two MP three players that were old as all get out. And they both died by the edge of Oregon. Are we talking like, like a Zune or a No, they were just classic iPods like twenty ten. They were just really cheap. Okay.
1: Eight gig MP3 players, gotcha. There's,
2: you know, lots of storage back then, but really inexpensive.
1: Yeah, and um, and they just ran out. They just could not live any both, longer.
2: Both died at the same time, <laughs> so I had to use my phone as my MP3 player. Okay, but right. I, I realized like if I ever do this sort of thing again, I will never not bring. To, like not enough music like I just <laughs> <laughs> you know road trip across the country you yeah. don't want to have to get you know have that same CD stuck in the CD player yeah like. yep.
1: <laughs> seriously yeah well and it's funny I, I mean some people can go a long time without music Adele and I were talking about this the other day because you know I'm a big audiophile and I like listening to music and I can't imagine like if I had a house I can't imagine not having a stereo in it. but some people just live without music but it sounds like you Nathan are a big fan of listening to stuff as you travel right yeah, yeah. I mean when I'm just rolling
2: around I don't don't really like to do it if i do a ride in the valley i don't want to listen to music i'm out to just soak things up but uh just having just the racing mentality and just wanting to keep going and needing something to drive you it was just like all right pixies for the west like techno for the plains and wean for the east like wean for the east just yeah. like that was nice. the formula
1: like that's pretty awesome right? <laughs> uh, do you have recommendations for good techno for the for the middle of the country um,
2: any sort of like uh, Richie Houghton has a ton of mixes. You know, okay, his his stuff's pretty slamming, and um, I don't know, Drexia is good, and no Skrillex No, that's, <laughs> I like I, I like the older school techno, not yeah. like modern stuff. Just the, like the stuff from the mid nineties. That's just like no lyrics, and it's just really driving, yeah. and yeah, it's like eighty beats per minute, so it goes really good with cycling. Like, yeah, it, I don't know, it's. Monotonous, but it's what you need out there, or something. That's just kind of slowly shifting. That just keeps you in a groove. And are you for or against the
1: uh, Mortal Kombat soundtrack?
2: Uh, some um, <laughs> people like it. I'm for it. Well, <laughs>
1: I, I barely remember that. That was it's oh not it's not quite your style, right? No, yeah. that's yeah, that's that's a little too much. Yeah, me. that's cool. Um, also, I was wondering, did you get good at uh, thumbing or stabbing at your phone as you were riding, or did you stop and take breaks to uh, to Send things and... and Yeah, I mean, it was
2: kind of weird. You know, there's i really kind of like over- overthought it a lot while i was out there because i basically lived on my phone like i was right. i facebooked my way across the country you know just like you're bored you get bored out there mm, and sure. you're just like what's up on facebook you're sprinting <laughs> you know you're riding across the country bored looking on facebook <laughs> it's kind of funny <laughs> like this what has it's, become of myself yeah, like, yeah <laughs> it's pretty
0: absurd if you think
2: about it yeah
1: well yeah i was i was thinking about that too because i remember wondering like oh would i like watch movies if i was trying to cross the great plains and i mean they're the great plains I, they're big it takes a long time but i mean i i I suppose that would be beautiful but but yeah it's it gets gets, the the planes really are what
2: broke me it's beautiful for like the first day yeah i mean you know so you drop seven thousand feet coming out of colorado in like 100 miles or something and that's just amazing like i had this um, the super tailwind and i did like 100 miles in four hours in the middle of a bike race across the country yeah it's a really fast century (laughs) you know seriously that I'm really proud of. I just yeah. can't not. Yeah. You get extra stars. It was so. It was just fun. It was the experience of a lifetime. It was everything I hoped it would be. Because I'd been looking for that huge drop. I'd been, you know, you see it on the elevation profile. Yeah, and studying it for years, and then finally I get a tailwind going down it, coming out of the <laughs> yeah. Rockies. It was just uh to die for. But yeah. then, but then you run smack into the humidity of the great plains and it's like 150 miles of colorado that eastern part is the great plains so it's like before you even hit kansas you've already done 150 miles of the great plains yeah and then it's 500 miles across kansas so all in all it's like 650 Mm -hmm. miles and the winds are there's nowhere to hide from the winds they're just relentless and just Just have grass and wind for just (laughs) forever that's it no that's really it and then just having to sprint into it and just find the will to just the the monotony of it really kind of got at me. Like I knew it was going to be my biggest like challenge. The mountains of the East or the West is just like, whatever. We live in Oregon. It's no big deal. And then, <laughs> we know they're there. Yeah. And then the east. I'm like, Yeah, it's going to be hot, but I'm from Missouri, so it's close enough to the east. Yeah. And Kansas is just—it's such an anomaly. I mean, a tornado could come through. I mean, we had riders, <laughs> That's true. we had riders, That's a good point. We had yeah. several riders who had to sit out tornado warnings. Less, no shit. Yeah, kind of freaky. Yeah. Tricky. And then towards the end of the towards the end of the race, we almost had a hurricane hit. So. Oh, right, right. on the East Coast, yeah. Yeah. So it was just like you can get all the weather. <laughs> yeah, no out kidding. There, like.
0: Got a little bit of everything. If you started with an earthquake in right. the West Coast, right.
2: <laughs> just get the volcano
1: eruptions, <laughs> right. just the full spread of natural disaster <laughs> possibilities.
0: Uh, I see Michael Bay making a movie out of this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Bike Race Natural Disaster 3. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> oh, well, uh, how was it uh, transitioning off of that? Because I would imagine you, you have yourself in a certain mindset when you're on the road. And you, you mentioned being not able to sleep, so there's that uh, once uh, once you were traveling uh, away from the end location. But uh, was it difficult to readjust?
2: Yes, it, it, was, it was
1: very, very hard.
2: Um, when I did the divide in 2010, you know, I... I didn't really go full tilt on it. You know, it was like my first experience with that sort of thing, so I just kinda went out to survive it. And I still was pretty incoherent when I finished. Like I was just exhausted and <laughs> yeah. my brain was missing several key ingredients to do what it <laughs> needed to do properly. There you go. Yeah. So but this is a different story. I mean, this I just I pretty much threw myself up against a wall at the end of it. For the last thousand miles, you know, I lived solely out of gas stations pretty much on peanut butter
1: and crackers and mountain yeah. dew and barbecue potato chips <laughs> and, so, yeah yeah and uh, as a vegan that's something that's more difficult to do right. than the average person like it's it's probably a bad idea to live out of gas stations although i've done my share right. of that but it's uh yeah um was it challenging to find things that you could eat
2: well i mean i just you know i i pr- I, I brought all that the vegan sausage in the beginning so it's like I knew I was getting enough protein that I didn't really worry. It, it wasn't really a challenge <laughs> okay. compared to All like right. the divide. You know, there's right. there's always a gas station thirty, fifty miles away. Right, right. and so it's just like when well, you know this peanut. Anyway, when I finished, I was just the transition back to reality was just horrible. Like I just I would wake up after. Like six hours sleep and just like jolt, you know. It Gotta go. <laughs> it yeah, time just, to get on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> just totally jolt. And I would think, you know, where am I? Where the hell am I? Holy crap. <laughs> and that lasted huh. for like two full weeks because – you sort of conditioned your body to do that, I guess. Right, and yeah. then well, then it was at the afterwards it was like two days to get back to Houston. I was in Houston for like four or five days. flew back, flew back to Portland, and then even when I got to Portland, like that was where it was the worst. So I was like finally home, and I should feel comfortable, but then when I wake up, it's just this horrible terror. Like, why did I just let myself fall asleep in a drunken disarray? <laughs> you know, like I should wake up like ready to just run, run, run. Yeah, and, yeah. Instead, I'm just like, uh oh, let's get coffee going. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's back to mediocrity. <laughs> right, right.
1: Back to life. Back to reality. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, it's it's funny, like with bike touring, and I imagine you know, even with racing at a, at a different pace, um, your priorities shift a lot. Uh, than when you're just city-lifing, so to speak. City-lifing, like, the stresses, the anxieties that you have is, like, does this person like me? Is this person, like, what, whatever they say? Uh Do, do they really mean right. what they're saying? You know, there's, like, so many anxieties that you're dealing with that we're just so unconscious. Um And then when you're out in the woods touring or when you're out on your bike, you're not even thinking of that. And I wonder if, like, some of that plays a factor in, oh, the, like, yeah. coming back home yeah. and you're... You know, you're on survival mode still. And so you've, you've got all of these sort of stressors that your body's not used to reacting to. Yeah.
2: Conforming to social norms all over again <laughs> yeah. as opposed to like sleeping in ditches. Right, right. <laughs> Doing the best you can to just not look homeless when you go into
1: the gas station. Exactly, yeah. I'm picking my nose at will. Yeah, there's a lot of things to, uh, to adjust back from. It's it's weird. I I think maybe that, that's like the the beauty and the challenge of tra- of travel and especially travel in the way that that we've done it is is just that you go out and you have this vastly different experience and then yeah. But uh, I don't know, Aaron. When are you gonna when are you gonna go out? Ah. I don't go out enough. What are you going to go out and throw yourself off kilter? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can. No, I'd I'd rather just sit back and analyze you all. Okay. And and tell you, tell you like, here's where you're going wrong. Exactly. (laughs) Here's, here's what your body is doing. And here's what your, what your brain is doing to your body. Yeah. 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 What, what was I talking about this morning? I got to do the Oregon Outback next. Oh, summer. right, that's yeah. just
1: what I was going to say. I got to yeah, yeah, do the Oregon yeah. Outback. I, I assume, Nathan, you'll be doing that again next year. I'm doing a winter version of it. Are like you? What last? So last
2: February, I actually did. I tried to do the Outback in February and failed rather spectacularly. Spectacularly at it. Um, so I've got a score to settle with it, and I'm, <laughs> going, I'm going to try and get some other people to sign in. Yeah. Um,
1: when just, you say failed spectacularly, what do you mean?
2: Let's see. So I took the train down to uh, Klamath Falls, huh? you know, south of, end of Oregon. Eight hour train ride, and then uh, went and you know it was like twenty five degrees out there. It was just freezing, and it was right after Snowpocalypse. And I had the fat bike, and I was just like, "All right, I'm going to do this." What the heck, you know? I'm I'm not. I don't do winter riding. I don't do sub zero temperatures. I worked in a in a freezer before, so it's not like <laughs> it's not like um. Uh, allergic allergic to the temperatures yeah but you you, know you can do that but i've never you know bike packed and all of that and i took this big heavy backpack and just a whole bunch of crap and i don't think i brought too much stuff but i just didn't have it packed right okay took a big backpack should have packed it on the bike and uh, i didn't have all the packs that i had now and uh, rode a good 70 miles onto the route and then just ran. I got diverted from one guy is just like, Oh, it's snowed over that way. You should go this way. So I went that way and, uh, I got up to it and it's just covered in snow. <laughs> it's I mean, also
0: snowed. over. <laughs> I mean,
2: and not just like, you know, a nice flat rideable path. It's like the sort of pushing snow. Oh uh, like, yes.
1: I uh, got yes. the
2: backpack on the mountain bike, um, loaded. And then I didn't have any good shoes on. I had, uh, just regular summertime cycling shoes with like neoprene covers. Okay. Okay. Not quite burly enough for the task. And they would, you know, especially
0: if you have to push your bike,
2: right? And you're stepping in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the covers were old. The velcro didn't really work anymore, so they'd come off when you walked in the snow. Which is like, <laughs> so it's just like, all right, it's twenty five degrees. It's getting dark. I can't really ride this. I, and can, I can't keep my shoes laced. I can walk it. You know, I had some plastic bags that I could have put over my feet, maybe. Like, right. But I just wasn't really willing to put myself into. Sure. I mean, it's two hundred miles to Primeville from Klamath Falls. Yeah. And there's like nothing in between, mm-hmm. and I was just like, this. This is. It's dumb this is a mistake this is a bad idea But you
0: weren't gonna run out of water no i wasn't gonna run that's out of true. water
1: no. so this next time you, you got a chance to go back and do it a, a different way you, you kind of change attack and bring some i got a new pair equipment. of shoes i got, there we I go. got a right. serious like
2: zero degree pair of shoes so. and that's step number one and then got all the packs and so yeah we would go out there and race this february try and get some folks uh on a fat bike on a, fa- on fat, a fat bike, bike. Yeah. yeah okay yeah which yeah. fat bike
1: would you take on this ride
2: uh i've got a surly pugs pugs pugsley
1: ops okay, okay. Yeah. yeah yes <laughs>
2: yeah, pugs ops
1: yeah <laughs> well that sounds that sounds like an awesome trip you'll have to tell us about that once you've done it yeah
2: yeah, I'm, yeah i i expect to complete it this time last time i just i didn't know and i i did not hey, <laughs> but yeah i had to I, I had to i rode back to uh some little town close to there and ended up hitching back to klamath falls and then just taking the train back, so I sat on the train for like
1: sixteen hours. <laughs> it's a lot of time on a train, yeah. Even and, for train uh, time, that's a long time, yeah. yeah. I don't know <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, again, your shop is called Ride Your Bike. Correct. Ride YR Bike. Yep. And dot uh, com. Yep. All right, people can find you there. It's a great place to rent a uh, a fat, hey, fat bike. bike. Yeah. And it's a great place to have is, your bike worked indeed. on.
0: Indeed. The only place in town that rents fat bikes, right? Uh
2: there's. There's a little outfitter that rents them. I can't remember okay. the name. But so the preeminent
1: place to rent them. The an, only one as far as we They don't concerned. have a fleet. That, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just have one. Right. There we go. <laughs> they rent a fat right, bike. Yeah. Gotcha. Which is different than renting fat, fat bikes. bikes. Right, yes. right. <laughs> yeah. Nathan Jones, thank you very much. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Right on. Oh, and one more thing.
2: <laughs> right. So there's... Um, there's a documentary that was produced to the ride called uh, "Inspired to Ride" um, by Mike Dion and Hunter Weeks and Eddie Clark and uh, I can't remember the other guy offhand. Uh, a filmmaker, a filmmaker, um, and they they ended up recording the whole event from start to finish. Uh, it's once again it's called "Inspired to Ride." It's going to be out hopefully around March. There we go. Um, and they just they basically followed um, Mike Hall and Juliana Burring. Um, they're, they're both the uh, male and female respective winners, and the story follows them really closely. And then there's a couple other riders, Billy Rice, they follow him in his story of the broken bicycle and yes. all the, all right. all the <laughs> mailing <laughs> the it back fun. around. And, uh, uh, a couple other riders. They, f- they filmed uh, Brian Steele a little bit in it. Okay. This, um, uh, character actor who has been in Predator and oh, Hell nice. Hellboy and the Underworld movies. <laughs> really just wears like big suits and acts okay. and stuff. But anyways, yeah, inspired to ride. Nice. Same people who did Ride the Divide and yeah, um,
1: uh, reveal the path and where the Yellowstone goes. Sounds like it's time for a double feature night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll Ooh. keep our ears to the ground for that
0: coming out in March. It, I wonder if like the trailer for it would be featured on uh, on the film by bike.
1: Or if the uh, if the film itself would be shown, that'd be pretty. Because cool they had a feature too. this year, they could have a feature next year.
0: That's true. Mm. Alien Crowdy, you listening?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're they're hoping to do
2: the world premiere somewhere. Excellent. Yeah, cool. So beautiful. Maybe here in Portland. Fabulous. Yep.
1: And we're back.
0: Oh, we should mention that um, there was a heck of a cornhole game going oh, on that's before right. we left.
1: Yeah, put on by our friends at Fun Employment Radio, Greg yeah. and Sarah. Yeah, uh, and I yeah. Gotta,
0: I got a hug from Greg. He would not accept any less.
1: <laughs> and you're not a huggy guy.
0: I'm not. I like extended my <laughs> hand. He's like, nope. Bring it in. Bring it in.
1: Yeah, they ran a fantastic cornhole tournament. Which, if you haven't played it, is that game with the boards and the hole, and you throw the bags of corn. They were freaking serious, man. Those those guys were amazing way better than I could have been. Yeah, so Landmark Saloon is a good spot to hang out. I like that place very much. A couple of things we should mention. Um, the live show. Oh, Episode shit. 200 is coming up. It's coming up. Yeah. Episode and, 200. Uh, subtitled, Holy Shit. That's right. God, uh, it's so going so to be at Cult on September 22nd at 7 p.m.
0: That's a Monday.
1: And uh, at this point, we have Joe, the Metal Cowboy Kermaski, who's going to come and tell a story there. And we have a couple more mystery guests soon to be announced.
0: I'm glad you said that because I was about to say some names. (laughs) We'll keep it a mystery.
1: Exactly. Which uh, I guess looking behind the curtain, what that actually means is we're still waiting for confirmation, (laughs) but don't tell anybody. (laughs) It's just us here. Don't Uh, worry. No one will know. (laughs) Yeah. And then the, uh, the, which we mentioned during the interview, the retort to close pass contest. Uh, If a person in a car buzzes you closely on your bicycle, Give is, us like
0: yeah, whoever has the most clever, yeah, according to my completely
1: objective, you know, scheme that yeah, I have. That's right in my head. <laughs> yes, only you know how this will be evaluated. <laughs>
0: but is it, it is a totally objective rubric that I have in my head.
1: Very good. Completely objective. Very good. Totally. <laughs> uh, so yeah, send us your responses, and uh, we've got some spoke cards. Matter of fact, we have enough spoke cards. There might be multiple winners.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. there you go.
1: Spoke cards from Ride Your Bike, but Mic. only the grand prize it's baked goods oh, okay there we go oh there, there shall be cardamom for one only yeah because that shit's expensive it is indeed it doesn't just grow on trees it's, does it well, grow on trees i should know I don't. I, i'm only familiar with the the ground up product it's a, it's a seed pod it, it comes it, out of a it comes out of a can right right yeah, yeah it, it, it comes out of a shaker <laughs> yeah ready for some headlines let's do this
2: what can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like it, my bike, it's fast. I like it, my bike, it's fast. I like it, my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Pedal just fast. you can into the morning light pedal
0: just fast. All right, from Bike Portland, reeling from yet another violent summer where gang members have ruled the streets with guns, about 150 people joined the Take Back the Streets ride in new Columbia on Sunday armed with bicycles and a powerful sense of unity. They stood up to their fears as they pedaled, chanted and smiled. They started a new narrative about the public space outside their doorsteps and showed how bicycles can be an effective tool for grassroots social change far beyond the central city.
1: Yeah. Uh, the creators of the ride at DeMarcus Preston, Jason Washington and others started riding for fun and exercise with a group of friends just this summer. When someone got a flat on one of those rides a few weeks ago, they stopped into the community cycling center to get it fixed. It was their first experience with that shop, but it left a positive impression. Later, when they decided to step up and do something about the shootings in their neighborhood, they reached out to the CCC and a partnership was born. Um, the photos in this in this story on Bike Portland are fantastic. And Nathan, mm-hmm. did you see this? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was exactly. happening, I think, at the same time as uh, it was Sunday Parkways and there were a couple other things happening that day. And I, I was actually here taping things down to the floor the whole day. So <laughs> I didn't get a chance to participate in any of them. But, um I, I just love the idea that this is it, it this is a place where it's really not about the bikes like these people are riding bikes, but they've got a message they got a thing um they have a sense of of community they they have uh the importance of keeping their neighborhood safe and uh stepping out and doing something about violence and uh i was I was very impressed by that so yeah uh i th- I think it should happen again and yeah. uh, and i I would like to see i I would like to see more social uh, movements like this, honestly.
0: Well, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, the point of it being, you know, that it's it's a using bicycling as a tool for change outside of the central city. You know, uh, I, we've talked about this many times before, and especially when Jonathan Miles was last on, how the sort of uh, idea of bicycles. That we have, or the the consciousness of bicycles that we have here in the city, is it's a it's a inner city thing. It's it's a, um, a privilege it. thing. Yeah. It's a yeah. It's a uh, it's it's a, it's a inner southeast or inner central city. Thing. Only a thirty block not, radius. Yeah, it's it's not for the the outer parts of the city, and and that's
1: that shouldn't be the case. It's patently false. It, right. Yeah. yeah bikes that are good shouldn't everywhere. Be the case and yeah. <clears throat> Particularly in this example. I so. think,
0: yeah, I think this is a great example for for moving bikes away from the central city and, and making it a wider thing. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, it's more than just taking the streets back for traffic. Mm-hmm. It's
1: taking the streets back for people. For people, exactly, yeah. Which – which I can get behind. Also, the cool thing about this is, like, I mean, it, it's a pretty somber topic, but uh, the 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 smiles in the pictures on this article are so big. Um, it seems like it seems like something about this, and maybe it's the fact that they were using bikes and having fun. Uh, you know, lent a really good. It looks like a really good positive vibe. to something that could have been, you know, a lot more a lot more somber.
0: Could somebody possibly infer from this that fun might be a uh, deterrent to violence?
1: I think you're stepping over the line, Aaron. That's okay. too much. All right. You've gone too far. I've i I've too much. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Should we do some mail? Let's do some mail. All right.
0: We got mail. Hey, we got mail. How are we going to do this for the live show?
1: Uh, We'll see. All right. We'll see. Do you want to? Do you want to perform it? I've, I'm intrigued. <laughs> like a brass band.
0: <laughs> yeah. Can we get a band behind <laughs> us
1: for that? Are there any cellists or tubists out there? <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
0: You'll have to produce sheet music for that. Mm, okay. Uh, so Dan from Minnesota recommends the surly disc trucker. I'm six foot three and over two hundred pounds. My surly disc trucker actually stops on a hill with a load on it. And it is very comfortable. Yes.
1: And this is, uh, again, uh, my my quandary about which bike to buy next. <laughs> I still don't know. I thought I knew. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> there's so many suggestions out there. You're uh, overwhelmed by choice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so thank you, Dan. Yes. And, uh, I mean, the disc trucker is one you ride, Aaron. And you it like is. it very much. I love it so yeah, much. Yeah. It is a fine disc trucker.
0: <laughs> this particular one is.
1: Yeah. Uh Drew sent in a couple of things just just in case anybody was was curious or interested. Uh the repair that he did on my bicycle where uh, my chainstay broke off and uh, he welded it back together.
0: Right, cuz a lot of people went-
1: said it couldn't be done. <laughs> Drew said, "Nay, oh, yes. I shall weld this." Uh I'll I'll just uh, I'll I'll share this for the general populace. Uh the dropout has a wafer of 8th inch steel plate braised to it. It's a lap joint against the dropout that has a very good penetration. I'm very sure the brass flowed into the whole lap. The same steel plate is wedged in a cutout of the chainstay end. There is brass fillet all around it here. Uh, the strength of the repair is mostly in the steel plate, not in the brass. I'm pretty confident in it as solid as new. I considered putting more reinforcement in there or fitting a new one, but I decided it would be unnecessary. This is all probably more info than you need, he says, but if someone tells you it's not so strong because it's just brass, you can point to the plate. And so here, here it there is. There it is. Check out that plate. <laughs> and uh, Well, because uh, I think even I
0: was under the impression that it was just brass. I didn't realize there was a steel plate
1: under right, it. Right, so. right. Yeah, but it's been very solid, and I have I think I've put it through its paces in the week that I've had it back. And again, thanks, Drew. I really yeah. appreciate it. Nice to have a bike. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you can save up even longer, mm-hmm. so you don't have to buy just, just a frame and move all your stuff over.
1: You I don't can, have to buy any old bike. You, yeah. I could buy a very special bike.
0: Time is now on your side.
1: (laughs) So suggestion time is wide open. (laughs) Keep them coming, folks. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: should get an all-city single gear for your next touring
1: There we go. Sounds good.
0: (laughs) From Logan, my understanding is that the Soma saga is highly similar to this early long-haul trucker in nearly every way, including price, geometry, tire size, brake choice, both disc and rim. And compatibility with Surly accessories like racks. The only difference I can tell is that the long-haul trucker has more colors. However, the Saga has a kickstand plate. Mm. The kickstand plate feature alone would get me to switch from my Surly long-haul trucker. Also, the kickstand plate on the Saga may provide a bit of extra strength to your chainstays, Brock. Since that was the weak point on your last bike. Yes. Yeah when I heard kickstand played, I was thinking like, this is the clincher for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, Cause I do like that's kickstands. Your thing. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, do you have a uh, preference on kickstands? Like, do you like them? Could you leave them? I, I am, uh, I'm very much against kickstands. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that would not be a consideration for you No. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> well, that's good to know. I, I thank you, Logan. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and my stance is a bike laying down cannot fall over. <laughs> indeed when you're on tour you just lay it down on the ground mm, in the yeah. soft grass
1: I, I think i'm old fashioned that way i just like having a little uh you know kerchunk and then like you can set it up against anything that's
0: especially nice if you need to dig through your panniers true
1: true yeah and i am a fan of digging through because i carry so much stuff with me i should get better at cleaning out my panniers nah. i really should <laughs> phil in alaska Hate to do this, but I have to correct you. In episode 196X, you mentioned that the band X played a fest in P-Town, then proceeded to state that X was a 70s German punk band. Not German. Yes, they are a punk band, but they ain't German, my friend. No, they are from LA. In fact, one of their seminal albums is entitled Los Angeles.
0: And I knew the album was titled Los Angeles, (laughs) but just because it was titled Los Angeles, like, I... Didn't uh, think. I don't know. For some was, reason, I was under the impression they were German. thought it was Das
1: Angeles. <laughs> das Angeles.
0: Das eine Angeles.
1: Yeah. Uh, as for a good name for an all female DK covers band, here are some ideas. that did Maryland's uh, Dear Abby, or Wargasm. I like Wargasm. Anyway, I'm about caught up with the show. Thanks for keeping it alive while Brock was away. You did well. And uh, indeed you did, Aaron. Indeed you did. <laughs> I, and then I, I gave uh, I gave David the nickname Nurse David because he wrote in <laughs> with medical knowledge. <laughs> right on. Hope oh, that's yeah. okay. Uh,
0: I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, so Nurse David chimes in. I just discovered this group, PDX Cargo Bike Gang. Yay! Through the Sprocket Sprocket Podcast, and I think I might have found home. We acquired a surly big dummy in late June, and it has pretty much replaced my other bike. My daughter loves riding in the back, and I love the looks that people give me outside of Fred Meyer.
1: Yeah. Our local grocery It's a good store. place to be.
0: <clears throat> yes. And every time I see kids on bikes like being towed by the parents, I honestly, like, part of me smiles, and I have a little bit more
1: hope for humanity. <laughs> Every time you see a child on a bicycle, you do not despair for the no. human race. no, I do not H2, a little H2 H2 bit wells of, <laughs> apologies
0: <laughs> a little bit of the despair I already have for humanity kind of gets taken away <laughs>
1: okay so so you're still you're still in the red, but less in the red <laughs>
0: a little less in the red okay. each, each time
1: <laughs> yeah, also, I think in somewhere in this conversation, this came from the Facebook group uh, pdX cargo bike gang where you can find more information about the pdx cargo bike scene uh someone apparently had a weird dream where i got married to ellie blue and uh, <laughs> yeah and then announced it on the podcast later and that didn't happen yeah so she apologizes both to joe beale and to adele which are, are the respective partners so just setting the record straight folks What you heard on Facebook, not true.
0: (laughs) Nobody's keys are in the (laughs) fishbowl. All right. Well, there you have it. Guthrie and I will be back on July 9th. Uh, Once again, you can always go to the sprocketpodcast.com and hear every episode we've ever recorded, all the way to the first episode. Um, And here are the credits that we recorded in that original show. I will see you guys soon.
1: so hey um this has been a good show shall we wrap her up yeah sure thanks again nathan for coming in thank you yeah
0: the mr script card
1: here mr script card that that should be like
0: a i'm gonna change the name of this now sounds good (laughs) find us on the internet at the Sprocket dot com. Send feedback about the program and suggestions for topics or guests. Write to us via email the address is thesprocketpodcast at gmail dot com. Call and leave us a message or text to us at five zero three eight four seven nine seven seven four. Connect with us on Twitter at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J Lane for providing our theme music. Thanks to Herbird for our headline sounder, and thanks to our sustaining donors, yes. Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellumgard, Roger Grigsby, Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie, Justin Martin,
1: Eric Iverson, and Cameron Lee And thanks and- to everybody for switching over to our Patreon platform. Oh yes. Now go Thank to sleep. You. Brush your teeth. That's right. <laughs>